What's up, everyone? It is Nick. And I'm Paul. And we're the Serial Thrillers. We're back. We're back, baby. Season two is starting now. We got renewed. Yep. It was <laughs> easy because we're not on a network. <laughs> right. As the producers, we decided. We, we decided we're okay. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. only renewed us for one season more. <laughs> right. We've got to earn that earn that third season. Not everyone makes it to two seasons. Though. No. Like, um, what was that? That Under the Dome show? I don't think that made it to eight episodes. Definitely no. didn't make two seasons. It was like based on a Stephen King book, and then I feel like Stephen King got really upset about it, and he now wants to like redo it, even though it just happened three years I ago. I watched like the first episode or two, uh, and then I didn't watch the third or fourth, so that yeah. sums it up. <laughs> so that about sums up how that yeah. show went. What and, else didn't get uh, to eight do episodes? Do you remember that 80s show? Because most people don't. I feel like I remember them trying. Yeah, and fun fact, it, it starred Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny uh, fame. Oh, so something As, as the good main guy in that 80s show. What about, what, um, was other that, shows. what was that Jason Alexander show he tried to do? Uh, the New Adventures of Old Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. He was trying to piggyback on you. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's real exciting to be back. You know, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun the first season. I feel like we learned a lot. We, we <laughs> about ourselves, a, about ourselves, about our guests. It, we met a lot of people. I, I ate cereal for the first time in years, and I actually bought cereal on my own after the season. Yeah, how much did you end up eating? Like two boxes or so. Yeah, yeah, it's about the same. A day? No, it's two boxes. I got really into Cheerios again after Steven's episode. Yeah, and I thought I wouldn't like it because it's bland and boring, but I'm like, no, it's pleasant, especially it, when all I eat is sugary cereal. It's interesting because I think thinking back on the first season, the cereals I enjoyed the most were the most basic ones like Cheerios and Puffins. Puffins. Yeah. What was my least favorite from the first season? Mm, Oreos? Oh, Oreo O's were pretty disappointing. I think I didn't like Reese's Puffs that much. Okay, no, did I? I don't really remember. One. I had to go listen. I think fruity, I don't remember how I felt. Fruity Pebbles too. I think were just a lot. Yeah, because they're like uh, fruity Rice Krispies. Yeah, no one picked Rice Krispies yet. Uh, I've also been. I kind of fucked up because I told. I'm like, I can curse, right? Yeah, I'll yeah. allow it. Uh, cool. Uh, I I was like, when is someone gonna finally pick corn pops? But then I realized one of our guests actually gave that. It just wasn't first choice. So I feel like it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. What did I say? I said episode 22. That's going to be the one where we get corn pops. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen before. Okay. Well, I guess now that I've said it, a guest could strategically time it yeah. <laughs> to make me win this bet. Yeah, probably. Cool. Well, we should get into it because cool. we've got a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. So our guest for today is someone who is very special to me comedically, mm-hmm. and I will get into that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, much congratulations to show Trump Lear is heading to the Edinburgh uh, Festival, Fringe yep. Festival. And you can catch his 200 impressions in 60 minutes running weekly through September at Improv Asylum oh, here in New York. I love Improv Asylum. Yeah, actually, they, actually yeah. Uh, I'll chime in. Uh, <laughs> yes, through the end of the year, we're through the end of the year. Starting in September, it'll be weekly. Is this an exclusive drop? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just announced. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is uh, <laughs> the first uh, press outlet to announce. Yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very excited to do that. I, I, I really want to go because I I love what they did with the space. It's at, great. Promise It's really nice. Awesome. It looks good, and everything works, and the staff is nice, and the AC is. Really good, yeah. which today really nice. It's style. very hot yeah. today. I don't know if you're listening, but today when we recorded this, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy hot. Yeah, yeah and I'm the. Uh, I just want to point out, you guys can't see this. I'm the only one wearing shorts, so I I messed up. 
I should have worn shorts today. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I don't. I don't really. I only. I have not bought like acceptable shorts yet. I just have like terrible gym shorts. There you go. And I have to go somewhere after this. <laughs> you know this. One. Oh, okay. I was yeah. say, if I was, if I was only coming here, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do. Yeah. I'll do the uh, <laughs> gym shorts thing. But wait, I just didn't. I realized we didn't actually get to your intro. Yeah. Please welcome. <laughs> oh yeah. David Carl. Oh yeah, I'm David Carl. That's who I yeah. am. Yeah, we did uh, everything but say his name. But you know that because you there's like my name. Yeah, to click yeah. this, you saw my name. Unless they're just like listening, and yeah. it just goes to the next episode. Oh, that's and true. Didn't see, mm-hmm. but if, but all if, the binge listeners of the show. But to you, if you that's you, you you're that loyal, so you're fine. You were fine, right? Yep. Yeah, I heard you say yes. Cool. I I knew who the yes was. <laughs> that's true. At least you didn't ruin the serial yet. This time, I have not ruined the series. I'm not going to do it. You haven't ruined the series. Yeah, I think in season one I ruined it a couple times, oh, and no. I'll probably yeah. do it again in this season. David, why don't you tell us what cereal you brought today? I will tell you. I brought Fruit Loops. Uh, it was a tough decision. I was told to give three and give my order of my favorite, and Fruit Loops was my favorite. It's and rare I, that at this point guests get their number one choice too. Yeah, I'll say the first thing is this smell. It's rare that uh, a cereal emits a smell out of the box, mm-hmm. you know, before it's even received milk. But Fruit Loops, whatever chemicals <laughs> are true. in it, it comes at you. This is an all natural. Uh, I have no idea, and I truly don't oh, care. Let's see where yeah. fruits are. Um, on I don't the think list. I want to know. It guys. says natural fruit flavors, but that boy, that is. I stopped reading it. Natural fruit. So that is a phrase counts. that is full of. Yeah. Yeah, fruits are not even on the ingredient Um, list. That's fine. Because a natural fruit flavor just means it evokes a real flavor. It's it does, it's, it's it, a very misleading. It's all phrase, it's whatever. all it has to do is evoke a real. Yeah, everyone knows yeah. I hate big cereal, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, growing up, did you eat cereal? Like was fruit? Loops I did, and this was something that I would have to like have at a sleepover. Like, at a sleepover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, my parents were pretty healthy people, or like they viewed themselves as health conscious people, and so you know it was Cheerios, um, checks was at home, and I did like wheat checks a lot. It was on my list. Uh, Kicks. Rice Krispies, which I also liked. Those are the things I could have all the time. But Fruit Loops was something that if my friend had it, like I would try to figure out how to have a sleepover. Oh, oh that's good. At their pl- I mean, I liked these friends. You're like, uh, their friends were okay. But it was like, it was an extra reason that, yeah, because I wasn't just about, like, I didn't make my friends just based on their toys or cereal. Because they were. <laughs> like after the sleepover, did they look at you and go, hey, what was better? Me or the cereal? <laughs> the cereal, man. <laughs> no, but I did have, I knew there were kids at my school that were like, they would have me over, this is like third grade, and mm-hmm. they were such jerks, like showing off their toys. It was like, I'm never never coming back here again. I don't care that you have really cool toys. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make it clear, I wasn't a toy fucker. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> since we're allowed to say that word. Uh, toy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I love the smell. Mm-hmm. And it's the worst. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fruit Loops is like terrible for you. My parents were right. It's awful for you. It's full of everything bad. But it's so sugary, and the milk at the end is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know that Milk Bar would agree with me. I'm sure. I Yes. Without looking, I'm I, pretty sure this is one of the ones they use. I think they've made a career off this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Fruit Loop is included. Maybe not. I, I'd, I'd place a small bet on that. Uh, I feel like Fruit Loops have like the strongest taste too in addition to the scent like it's just like an overpower they're like the skittles of cereal yeah they are yeah they are uh and we then sh- even more sugary than though than than skittles like, yeah that's like, true. it's hard to beat like but, it leans yeah. harder towards sugar than actual fruit yeah which for a kid you know i like skittles as a movie snack 
<laughs> sidebar. Just to, yeah, they're good. If you guys were wondering, snack? yeah, Skittles. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a Butterfinger movie person. Oh. Like the Butterfinger bites at a movie, Those are good. Uh, yeah. especially if you're also having popcorn. I put them in the popcorn. Yeah, yeah there you go. Look, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and say, yeah, I know Skittles in the movies is weird, but they sell them, guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, look, I'm not hating on you. I am. He's yeah. judging me. <laughs> Uh, I th- is that a common dynamic that the guest is like kind of sides with you, and then Nick is like, ah! Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm more. <laughs> I have a high likability factor. We tested it with test audience. I'm just tired of Paul at this point. <laughs> How many I'm times has the it. guest turned on Paul by the end? I, ooh, has it oh, happened? Uh, no, but hey, there's a first for <laughs> yeah. And I'm like I'm a big fan of wrestling, so like. I like yeah. okay, but I'm not a big enough fan of wrestling to have a problem with you because of it. No, no, no. But I mean, like, you can make a big heel turn. Oh, like, I thought you just meant like <laughs> I don't like wrestling. Oh no, no. I meant like I meant like you like oh we're friendly, we're friendly at the end, oh, end yeah, of the episode yeah. or right. the match. Sure, you hit me with a chair. Oh uh, well, there's some good chairs in yeah. here. That's true. I will it could say, happen. Uh, in terms of like, this is just a real big turn here, but you talking about chairs. I don't know what this makes me think of this. Um, in the few instances when I felt physically threatened in my life mm-hmm. by someone who was like, seemed like a menace and was going to like harm me or someone I was with, mm-hmm. I, I just looked around to see what chairs I could throw at yeah. them. And thank God nothing happened. You've never thrown a chair. Because <laughs> I'm not a fighter. And I'm like, if you're, I, I just think if you're going to start a fight, screw you. And mm-hmm. we don't need to be fair. And so I'm just going to try Yeah, to I mean, you're it. fighting anyway. The rules should be sort of thrown out. That's what I think. I don't, I don't I'm want, not saying like, that's right. Want, I, I'm just saying that it, in in my brain, if someone comes at me with like, and is clearly a fighter and just wants mm-hmm. to mutilate me physically or, you know, my girlfriend or whoever I'm with, I'm probably going to throw a bar stool at them um, as fast as I can. And then another and then another yeah. until they're immobilized, yeah. but try not to kill them. And that's reckless and dangerous. And I know that, uh, and I should probably talk to a therapist about it. Well, I yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> or a, or a self that. defense. Uh, yeah, it, it's actually literally self defense. Well, but, I do think too, like chairs have the highest ratio of like availability right. to damage they could do. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They're always around, and they could seriously. And I can you. probably throw it efficiently. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just. I am not encouraging this behavior <laughs> at all. I'm just admitting a dark truth about myself. I I don't blame because look, I, I am not. If someone if someone is heated enough to want to fight me, they're the type of person who would destroy me. And yeah. I would I would I would go to any limit. I'd be like I'm I I don't want to die. So you're uh, you're on board with? I'm this. a lover. I'm okay. not a fighter. I'm not looking for allies in my mm. chair throwing. But if you needed one, but I'm I'm just sort of mildly interested now that yeah. Paul. No. Would you? Yes, absolutely. Wow. So the three of us would throw we're, a chair. squat. <laughs> I've never thought about it before, but now like, I think my mind's going to be like, if I see a threat, yeah. like, there's also where's a, the nearest chair? There's also a high odds that the three of us are together in a situation where three, <laughs> and I picture like three people way larger than us, like, yeah. like jacked, and yeah. and we'd all look at each other, and it just just in our eyeballs, we'd be like, let's fucking chair, let's chair them. Okay, but would you pull out a chair that someone was sitting on from underneath them? If we ran out. <laughs> like, like a like a cop in an eighties movie, like yeah. taking someone's car, like yeah. you're gonna yeah. take their chair. Like I'm sorry, I need this. <laughs> I need to. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I maybe would. I would try to take an empty one. Yeah, I don't know. Preference. Plus, I don't want to impersonate a cop. NYPD. No. I need this chair. <laughs> Definitely, for many reasons, I don't want to impersonate a cop. <laughs> I think we should go ahead and pour the milk. Let's do I it. I think I'm ready that's to eat. Fair. I'm hungry. I'm gonna. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Paul's that's the that's the, the best part is I never have to like eat. 
before this podcast. All right. Yeah. I love this. And I like a nice full gallon, which is what we have here, which is kind of fun because it sort of tests your ability to. You know, we use one gallon per season. <laughs> oh, you want the almond? <laughs> yeah. Really? That's awesome. I'm so excited about this. I will tell you, I've my girlfriend pointed out how funny it is that I'm doing this because I only recently in the past year realized I have a thing called misophonia where like I, I don't like background noise. Oh. Uh, and I can't And this tune is it a out. podcast for you. Right, right. Or like people eating. But I realized if I'm it's very selfish if I'm eating. You're okay with that? Mm. So we're fine. Yeah. Let's dig in. But here we go. It's very very exciting. It's so crunchy. It's very good. It's a good one for, uh, I guess, are crunchy ones good for this? It depends on how much misophonia you have. <laughs> <laughs> I try to like move away from the mic, but I forget at points. I know? probably should since I have it for those that do. Uh, you know, we're cool. We're all friends here. Wow. Plus. I think I forgot how much I liked Fruit Loops. Yeah? Like They're... taking that bite just now. It's an explosion. Yeah. It really is like the Skittles of cereal yeah and then there's a window of time right that great like window of time there's probably a phrase for it and milk um uh, cereal like, when, when it goes from crunchy yeah. to soggy and there's you know there's some cool things that Sog happen time everyone <laughs> <laughs> commonly known in the cereal world sog time bro what's your like sog that. time what about like this the soggy window yeah i like or, the soggy window yeah put that in the dictionary paul it's already in. Okay, perfect. Or it's like the crunch to soggy hang time. Right? Oh, I like hang time. Hang. Well, it's the crunch to sog hang time. That's such a long phrase. I don't, I don't mind it getting soggy because then it's easier for me to eat on air. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, it's fine. I'll be honest. I actually like soggy cereal better than yeah. crunchy. Mm-hmm. Like I used to wait for my Rice Krispies to get soggy. Oh, those are good. They soggy. get they get soggy quick too. Yeah, and then they like clump together. Mm-hmm. Why is that good? Why is the Rice Krispie clump good? I think it's like, why is sticky rice good? Mm. Just is it's the philosophical question <laughs> of ages and yeah. answered. <laughs> Sometimes I just sit at night and I, like I think how about that's rice. Considered Krispies. answering the question. It is. It was posing yeah. another question. It, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> hey. It's cool. So, uh, David, where did you grow up? I grew up in Dallas, mm-hmm. Texas, which I think kind of explains why Fruit Loops is my thing. Because, <laughs> like, in Dallas, in the 80s, that's when I grew up. I was born in 1980. We've got every chain, every restaurant chain, mm-hmm. every grocery store chain in abundance. And so, you know, I think Whole Foods showed up on the scene in, like, 91 or something. Uh-huh. So a little my, late, a little late to the game. Mo- most of know. my, not that there weren't other places that had good quality food, but like, it was just the odds of you growing up in Texas and eating some garbage food mm. were high, and certainly wanting it as a kid, right? Mm. Like the advertisements were out of control, and I did watch Saturday morning cartoons, yeah. so of course I wanted all this stuff. Yeah, um, marketing works. Yeah, yeah, but that's really where I grew that's... up. I grew up in Texas. Mm. I don't Is know. It, it was yeah. fun, but I, I think once I hit puberty i wanted to get out of there i think i liked suburban life in the 80s it was fun like my friends were fun kind of nerdy kids that liked to play make-believe in fun ways and Mm -hmm. run around the suburbs and that was fun but then i grew up and i was like i gotta get out of here this is just a city that's sort of obsessed with comfort and that to me this this might be a dumb question i'm just not as familiar is dallas more uh, was it like more of a city than just with suburbs surrounding it's it. It's a massive like, suburb. I mean, downtown mm-hmm. is really small. Mm-hmm. Downtown compared to New York City, downtown it looks like the financial district here. Uh-huh. Okay. And I mean, I think there's now maybe a little bit more going on in the financial district mm-hmm. at night, but 
definitely like think of it like 10 years ago or something. Okay. There's like nothing going on. Um, that's what Dallas was like when I grew mm-hmm. up. Also, there's a little more going on now. And then beyond that, even in Dallas proper, it just looks like suburbs. And then now, I mean, I think in every direction, there's like north, south, east, west, there's like probably five or six suburbs in this giant yeah. circle. It's a lot of Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more than that. Maybe a dozen. I mean, it's really like Plano was new. When I grew up, and now Plano is like an old suburb for mm-hmm. Dallas, but it's yeah. only like 35 years old. Yeah, but I, I grew up in Phoenix, know. and it was the same that way. That sounds very similar, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like a small downtown, and then it's just like suburbs that mesh into each other for miles. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's fine. It means it means you're going to have a very comfortable life. It mm-hmm. means like every all, all the stuff that you might want, you're going to have. Air conditioning is going to be great. I'm sure it is in Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then after that, you know, you kind of have to really work hard to find something that's different. And I like New York because it's just thrown in your face all the time. You know, different mm-hmm. things are in an, in yeah. an abundance. And I guess that means I'm kind of lazy <laughs> that I don't like, <laughs> that I don't like hunting. For well, also, things, but... so you, you know, I made the point about like there's chains everywhere and everything. Yeah. But so I think because it's funny if, if ever I have the chance if I'm ever in like a New Jersey. And someone was like, "Oh, let's go to like Chili's." I'd be like, "Down!" Because, oh, so many Chili's, because, so many Chili's. Because and, and then when I go, it's not very good. But I think it's because if you're in New York City now, like you don't have that. I guess you yeah. do, but it's in like Times Square. But um, as a kid, I think I liked all that stuff. But then, yeah, yeah you get like you know, eighteen or you know, twenty one or something, and I was like, oh, "All right, cool, I'm done." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, and actually, you know what? The art scene in Dallas is pretty good. I got to give credit there. Mm -hmm. You know, I got into theater in high school, and I was lucky enough to have a director uh, named Tim Johnson, who is still... There were two directors at our high school, one Nancy Pointer, who had always been a high school theater educator for a long time. And Tim Johnson came on as a young man uh, and a theater professional in, Mm -hmm. in Dallas, doing really cool stuff at a place called Kitchen Dog Theater that's still still going. They always did really weird, cool stuff and did it really well. So they would take Glass Menagerie and set it in a circus and it would be really, really oh, good. Yeah. Or they would do just a really good perform like production of Waiting for Godot or Bertolt Brecht and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I get this stuff. Like it's when you read it and you're seventeen, it's kinda of confusing, but to see it done well, mm-hmm. it's like I'm into theater of the absurd now. So yeah. the, there's some really good stuff happening. Was that a side that was like your high school like in your high school? That was a professional theater oh, okay. but this mm-hmm. Director mm-hmm. also happened to be directing plays at this really good ah, professional okay. theater and at our high school. So mm-hmm. we lucked out because yeah. wow. we, we were not at a magnet school. We were mm-hmm. just at a good competitive public school, was really good at sports and happened to have a very good arts program also. Just by dumb luck, you know, um, well, people working really hard, but dumb luck <laughs> on my parents <laughs> moving you, there. That, you were yeah. that there, my family yeah. moved there. That was the dumb <laughs> luck. They actually, Nancy Pointer who had been teaching there for a while and made it a good program. Yeah, no, that's cool. I went to a school that had a very good sports but terrible arts program, mm. and I was an arts kid, so yeah. I, I got the short end of that yeah, stick. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. So did you end up moving to New York specifically for the theater world? Yeah, I mean, I went to University of Evansville in southern Indiana, and then uh, Rutgers for grad school, and then at Rutgers we had a showcase. I did theater at both schools, and my showcase in New York just went better than L.A. L.A. was fine, but... Mm. I met all these casting directors, and they were like, what agents have you met? And I was like, I haven't met any. <laughs> and I was like, but I'm here, and I went to all these like cool studio lots. That was yeah. fun. And they're like, yeah, but what agents did you meet? And I was like, none. But I went to this really cool lot. Like, yeah, yeah, shut up. Uh, so <laughs> it was it was a fun trip. And But I was like, oh, I, I can have a commercial agent and a TV, film, and theater agent in New York. So I was like, I'm going to start there. Uh, and so that's 
Because I couldn't make it. I like mm-hmm. both cities. Right. I, I find the conversation about which one is better boring because I like both. <laughs> You're like, I like yeah. both. I kind of tune cool. out when that conversation starts because like, I don't care. I like both of them. I they're hate both it fun. too because they're so different. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so different. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's almost not worth talking about because it's like. Well, it's know. also, I, like, I've never lived uh, in LA. So sure. I, what do I really. Yeah, I haven't either. I just visited. I just like New York. I'm like, yeah. I know I like New York. I love New York. Uh, yeah, I, I, would say, I would now. say I love New York. I, I really heart love, New York. I love it enough that I hate it sometimes, right? Like, it, yeah. it pisses me off sometimes mm-hmm. because I love it. Because you care so much about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah. Like, it's like New York is a character in itself. It is. It totally is. Do you plan on staying here long term, or do you think? I think so. We'll yeah. see. I would go to L.A. for a big job, yeah. you know, but I don't know that I would go permanently. I think I would go and see how long that job lasts and try to keep something going back here but yeah i always know. get sad when people leave new york for la uh, well i I, th- I think it's fine to go I and mean, some people go because they need to and they mm-hmm. i feel bad though when people get there and it takes them a year or two to like get reacclimated and mm-hmm. they're lonely or sad or depressed for a year or two and it's like mm-hmm. oh but it, you know well, if, if they're gonna stick it out then it'll be worth it right because then it'll like then we'll make friends they'll make connections I'm, they'll get jobs and it, it'll be fine but i think point. that's what i always feel bad about is that phase for right. my friends because i feel bad for them yeah well also I, I feel like sometimes you'll have you know i think the three of us will all have friends that will move to la to yeah. do something and i make a point to like stay in touch with them because one thing i always realize too is that some people go there and now that they're not useful here they kind of right. like have a new understanding of who their friends are right too. you know like oh you're useful because you could do shows with me or right. do this thing for me or whatever but now yeah. they're there so I've, I've had friends like experience that and they realize, oh man, like no, it's all those true. people I thought I was a lot closer with. I think especially yeah. with improv, just mm-hmm. because the whole, like having done improv mm-hmm. at almost all the theaters now for 10 years, it's mm-hmm. like, I love the community, but one thing that happens is I think the whole yes and idea mm-hmm. makes people socially at least act like they're friends with more people than they normally would. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. yeah. If I've you move towns or move theaters or yeah. whatever, or get busier, like all of a sudden you find out like how many of those people were you actually close with? Uh-huh. And it's not, it's not, there's no offense taken. Cause it's, it's weird to actually be really good friends with like hundreds of people. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know who has bandwidth for that. But you can be fun acquaintances with a lot of people like that. Right. But who are like you going to show up to help move for, or like whose wedding yeah. you're going to? That's probably like only a dozen at most, maybe more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, if you're really popular, I'm not. Well, I was just <laughs> I was just reading but, about but I've, this. I've, yeah. I've had many times where I'm like, oh wait a minute, I okay yeah right that. We weren't that close. I mean, right. we were, we know each other. We're gonna be nice to each other, but like, I think it's also psychologically because I feel like if I if I moved, I think I would be very lonely, yeah. and I'd be like, I hope people text me. So <laughs> I try to I try to put myself. That was in hard. Like, w- I moved to New York after college, yeah. and it was very much like trying to like start up a social circle here, like trying to like keep in touch with people back home, and realizing like, wow, like this is actually so much harder than I thought it was gonna be. It's really hard. Yeah, people get busy, mm-hmm. and then it's like. It, it it's hard for me like I'm like man why is this person like called me or like I'll see him on the street and like they didn't you know stop to say hello or whatever and it's like they're busy usually yeah. and it's 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 fine you know I don't know yeah. but uh, it's a little sad too I guess yeah <laughs> I, I think the true test for me is that is like I feel like when you're really because I don't think there's maybe a time constraint on it. Everyone is busy. Yeah. I don't think there's markers, but I think what the marker is for me is. Because I could have been in a show with someone. We saw each yeah. other every day for a long time, and then you don't. And if you could pick up where you left off like that, yeah. I think to me that's like a good friendship. 
Like even if you haven't totally. seen each other in a while, and, and the second you meet up, it's just like you're yeah. you're right back in that. Whatever place. it takes to make that meeting happen. Yeah, because like to me, I don't know if if I have a friend who gets famous or has a kid. <laughs> I'm going to give them a pass a little bit in terms of like how long they take to get back to me. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, as someone who's never had a kid, but watch many of their friends have one and have a niece, like oh. it's a lot of time and you don't have time to respond to every little joke that I send. Right. So like same thing if you're mm-hmm. famous, like you just don't, you, you're, you're mm-hmm. crazy busy because it's hard to be famous. It's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think even if you're an influencer, it's like a lot of work. I actually whether, think whether I, it's like worthwhile or not. I actually it, so I actually think constant, that's right? I actually think that's sort of the most work. I think it takes the less the least skill. But you're on but, that you're, thing but your skill is your work ethic. You're doing your Instagram yeah. or your Twitter constantly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, if you're someone who puts out videos, like do you know how hard it is to put out like a ten minute video every other day? Like that's like that's your life. Like, that's and then to comment on it and to mm-hmm. whatever and re- retweet or I don't know, regram all that stuff. I I barely do any of it. I don't it. know what that means. Oh my god! <laughs> you talked about it coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh my god! Something you said sparked my Siri. That is incredible. Does She's, it say what? Can you like see her log? She, she said, "I don't know what that means." Yeah. You couldn't hear it. She's like, "I don't understand fame." Yeah. <laughs> I'm famous. And Paul, I talk stop. to everyone. Paul, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. So like, uh, yeah, I think if you're famous or have kids, I don't. I'll, I'll be fine if you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't write back. I, I think it. kids is very tough. And a lot of people that have kids tend to move out of the city. You well, know? suddenly, I, I think if either of those things happen, I think now you have, like, you can handle two to three friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Probably. I'm going to agree. A baby counts as, like, 100 friends. And, so I am, like... and I am probably not one of those two or three. <laughs> uh, so and that's fine. Yeah. Does a baby really count as 100? I should so, get a yeah. baby. So there's, this, so there's this social scientist that says, like, the average person can only maintain close relationships with 150 people. Mm. Like that's the limit. Oh, and that's yeah, that takes up. And so, like a baby takes up like a hundred of those spots. That wow. makes a lot of sense. Wow, yeah. Yeah. that's interesting. The baby part, I made that up, but <laughs> the 150 things, like this real number. Yeah. I think the hundred. I think that's. I bet. Spot let's look on. that social scientist up. And, uh, yeah. Contact. Let's them. call him right now. He's, He's probably, probably listening. Well, live. so the whole thing is like he studied this factory and found uh-huh. that like when the employee number of employees in this factory went mm-hmm. above 150, like mm. all these like social things happened and like infighting and people disagreeing and productivity oh. went way down. Mm. So this company would just build another factory once they hit 150 people at their current capacity, even if it's right next door, mm-hmm. because like that number just somehow works for society it actually makes a lot i can't verbalize it well the cynical part of me was like oh this is just someone who was paid by a robotics company to prove that like (laughs) large numbers of humans are not getting getting rid of the humans i'm so happy to hear that they just made another factory 150 humans but 10,000 robots (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i made most of my friends in new york through improv yeah. yeah like when i first moved here i was like it's I, a great way to do it i have some i mean some of my best friends have met that way yeah so the way that i know david is david was my first improv teacher oh so cool. that was yes it's actually a funny story so my it's, friend you signed up for a class and then he I was signed a teacher up for a class and then <laughs> i learned improv it was insane no but so was he was he level one you said level one because wait did i meet you in level two we met in level two. Okay. Yeah, you were not in that class. Not no, but it was weird. <laughs> Half of my class went to the same 
like level two is half of your class. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we like merged class. Yeah. Who was your teacher? Uh, Rachel Rosenthal. Oh, she's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. I feel very lucky because I got like a very. Oh, I got very lucky with teachers. Yeah. But I didn't get you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You well, that's part of your luck. <laughs> Nick is just a superstar, and I couldn't screw yeah. him up. I'll, t- I'll take it. <laughs> I, I could have been screwed up heavily. <laughs> but so my friend Marley and I came and saw one of your Road to the White House shows. Oh, yeah. Like, And it was very early on, so yeah. it was like when there were like 20 so candidates many. or something. Yeah. And then we went to the taping of that Michael Ian Black game oh, show. Man. Debate Wars. Debate Wars. That was so much fun. Yeah. And- that we, show we were love you, love Michael Ian Black. I love Stella. I, I want to hear the story of how you wound up absolutely doing that. Uh, so I was doing Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet at the Pit Loft. I had been doing it. Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet, as performed by David Carl, that's now called David Carl's Celebrity One Man Hamlet. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but we were doing our long run. It was like January to you know June. We had already taken it to Chicago, Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and um, we had been to Edinburgh Fringe and all that stuff. So we're like, let's just do a run in New York, and uh, I think that's right. Maybe, or maybe it's before Chicago. Anyway, Brian McCann was doing, he was trying out a talk show uh, at the Pit Loft that was just like um, a solo improvised talk show, and he would improvise, he would like interview people from the audience. So he was doing that like right before or after my show, I don't remember. But uh, he basically, like, I went to go see his show, and there were enough, there was such a, there were, <laughs> it was a small audience, because for whatever reason, and I was avoiding going up and being an audience participant, but, like, mm-hmm. I had to, because, you know, he had, he needed, like, seven people, and so uh-huh. I was like, well, I got to go up. So he interviewed me, and I, s- I explained that I do a show called Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet, and then he kind of, like, was like, we'll do the character a little, so I did it. And he was just like, oh, cool. So anyway, then I was on his radar as a guy that did Gary Busey. So they were looking for people to on the Debate Wars show to like basically be a punishment, to like interrupt mm-hmm. if the debaters on the show. They would debate like, yeah. they would have like, uh, I think, eight, four comics each episode on teams. So a team of two, a team of two. And one would be debating that cats are great, and one is debating that dogs are, are great, right? Mm-hmm. And so if Michael Ian Black got bored, he would hit a buzzer and there'd be a punishment. Well, one of the punishments was a Gary Buser impersonator comes out and screams to you about pie. So, like, <laughs> that's what I got to do. But before that, there were all these, like, developmental shows at the pit where they had me – I think they had me be um, – time traveling Al Pacino in one of them <laughs> so I was like Al Pacino from Scarface Al Pacino from Son of a Woman Al Pacino I think from Serpico uh, or Dog Day Afternoon I think uh, but in the I was, Scarface was the last one and I got to shoot Mike Gillian Black with a Nerf gun um, that was super fun I mean on the show I think I told Todd Berry as Gary Busey you need to love yourself more like <laughs> like that was pretty fun yeah. to just like do that show was crazy though so the taping which you went to was nuts because I felt like they really let because it was for CISO mm-hmm. and you could do whatever you wanted, mm-hmm. and so people were really going crazy. I mean, at one point I remember on a different episode, Gene Garofalo was like crawling on the ground, um, like like, or like she was on the ground holding Phoebe Robinson because like Phoebe Robinson was trying to like get to like the audience and. <laughs> it was basically like Janine Garofalo was like dragging on the ground, and I was like, I have never seen her 
do that before. Uh-huh. It's like I've actually never seen her do a physical extreme yeah. thing in anything. It's like this is what's fun about this. Andy Dick told an insane story mm-hmm. about <laughs> Barcelona and like <laughs> buying drugs. Sort of on brand. For it was Andy insane, Dick, though. <laughs> but it was insane. Yeah, it was a long story. I don't even know if I can say all of it because like maybe they mm-hmm. took it down for a reason. But <laughs> it's enough to say that he told a really crazy long story about drugs, and it was amazing. Yeah, I don't. It was just fun to watch people kind of like go crazy. I don't know what was it like watching it. That was uh, a long rant. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's great. It was it was really fun. I think we were definitely like, what is actually going to happen with the right, show? Right. Will it ever actually get released? Yeah. But I think I remember they debated like internet versus real life. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Aparna Nanchurla was one of the debaters. Yeah. And I just remember thinking this is so ridiculous. Just mm-hmm. the whole yeah. concept of the execution and the yeah. fact just Michael Ian Black <laughs> leading this this show but it was it was really fun and i remember you came on and we were like isn't that the guy who did the president <laughs> stuff a couple weeks ago yeah and then i think two weeks later we saw you in an improv show at the pit just oh, randomly yeah. yeah and then i saw the other level one open and i was like well i have to take it with that oh, guy. that's like, awesome yeah well that's cool that's yeah. nice to hear that was a great class y'all were such a good class and that was one of my first level ones at the pit because level one improv is the uh, to me yeah. my favorite yeah, because it's pure fun. It's getting people to like get out of their comfort zone and go for it. And you know, you're giving people the building blocks, but mostly you're getting them up on their feet a lot and just having fun. Yeah, I, I love level one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We still talk to people. And the level one know. shows are a blast because all your family and friends come. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's worn out on you as a performer. Right. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's like a party. And there's definitely people from that level one class that like I still talk to. Yeah, like TJ Regno who. I was on an indie team with for a couple years. Yeah, that whole class was awesome. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes by like level three or four, you're kind of like, you're in that artistic dip where you're like, I'm so good. Like, why aren't I doing great scenes all the time? Right. And it's, and then, but like in level one, you have no, you have nothing to compare against. Yeah. Unless expectations on yourself. It's all fun. Yeah. I I love level one. Who's my, Chris Booth was my level one teacher. He was such an awesome teacher. He's good. He cares about good acting too. So that's fun. So had you been doing improv for a long time before you came to New York? Like, were you doing it in college? I desperately wanted to do it in college. Um, And our department chair at University of Evansville was amazing. He was also just very like, look, uh, we know how to do these things. We don't really know improv that well. So we're not, we're really, we like being good at what we do. So we Mm. don't want to like have it not be as good as everything else. So we just, and then it felt like we couldn't, create our own little group because we didn't want to be like seen as outsiders within this mm-hmm. department so i just never did it i guess i could have started a troop uh but oddly enough jack mcbrayer like went to my school uh-huh. seven years before me and Lynn parham also went there and like oh. all these like really brilliant improvisers who have been very successful went to university of evansville so it's kind of funny that in spite of that they just found it anyway yeah um in fact when i first moved to the city jack was super nice and just like from an email, you know, being put connected by our department chair, he didn't know me at all. He like gave me a comp to ASCAT, you know, oh, in like 2003 great. or something. Uh-huh. And I was just blown away. Like, and it felt so good not to wait in the line. And, you know, when you're that age, at any age, yeah. but certainly at 22, it feels incredible. So he's, you know, he, he's a great guy. And, uh, but the, we did not, I did not start improv until grad school, um, dramatic improv. The Meisner mm-hmm. training technique. Mm-hmm. And then I would come up and take classes from Rutgers. I would take classes at UCB. 
mm-hmm. um, from like 2003 to 2006. So I was doing both at the same time, and I thought it was really fun just to like see how the two could complement each other, even though some teachers would be like, oh, don't do Meisner and improv, or like Meisner and people would be like, don't don't make this all funny, and it's like, eh, there's some overlap. Yeah. And I, I, I would say in general, like, for me, I've always been interested in how different styles overlap. I mean, hence Gary Busey's One Man Hamlet, mm-hmm. Trump Lear, um, you know, taking things that don't usually go together, like impressions in Shakespeare, or like even like impressions are usually short and making them really long, diving deep into them. Uh, I've, I didn't, you know, I didn't get into theater and comedy because I wanted everything to be all closed off and compartmentalized. I got into yeah. it because I didn't like the compartmentalization of the world around me. And so like, to me, I don't understand when things get divided up and it, arbitrarily. It, it, it kills the creativity of it. it well, I think too. so. I, I feel and, like everything And some people get freedom that. from it and yeah. I get it yeah. I, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I personally feel creative mixing stuff together, you know. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I think, yeah, I think yeah. that helps you know, I think so. different things and keep it fresh. And, I think so. Yeah. But that said, I mean, I love going to see things that are like, I'll go watch a dance show that's, you know, like a flamenco that has very rigid rules. You know, like to be flamenco, it has to be this one way. <laughs> I'm impr- I probably because oh, clear, I can't Clearly you can't see Nick and I, great dancers. So. <laughs> But, but I, I think there's yeah. just no one size fits all is, is the is yeah. the answer. But. I mean, well, to take the flamenco example, every time I've been to see good flamenco dancers, mm. I'm like, man, I'd love to see them act because they're so passionate and they're mm. so present on stage. Like, it, I bet if the role wasn't too complicated or crazy or far from who they are, they'd probably be amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're captivating right yeah. now, just dancing. I don't know if it'd be true or not, but I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I think just I think true passion. If somebody has the ability to like be an open enough to be passionate and show that they care about something you could probably plop them somewhere else and if if they wanted mm-hmm. to they could probably figure it out and mm-hmm. be really good at it yeah well like i studied music in college there you go. and then i decided i didn't really want to do music yeah and then dropped into improv and then sketch and stand up and found like oh like this is similar in so many ways yeah. but obviously a different skill set but i think like so many of like the soft skills in a sense are really similar i think so too I, you know, one example I always think of is my friend Paul Gutkowski, who is, I think, still on an improv team at the pit right now, um, studio system. And he he got into improv in his 30s. You know, he'd done so, so, social work for a long time and uh, always a great lover of music and great lover of the arts. But, like, had never really studied acting until his 30s. And, I mean, I remember him, like, only a year or two into, like, just taking improv. And he, I thought it was, like, one of the best performers I'd ever seen ever. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, like... People have these abilities, and it doesn't matter when they realize it. If they have the ability, like they have it, yeah. and then if they're, it's like, are they able to finally like start doing it? But I mean, I think Paul's like a brilliant actor, and you know, and then in his case, has all this still, even like five or six years into doing it, like all this uh, energy that a twenty-seven-year-old might have, you know, but <laughs> with all the wisdom of someone in his forties, you know. Right. So I. I don't know how it got on that tangent, but I do like when uh, I do think that passion is transferable. I mean, yeah, he's a great example of that. Yeah, no, um, that's great. I have the passion, not the skill, but the passion. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. You know what it is? I've I've done sketch for so long. Yeah. And but, but when I was growing up, I was always in bands, yeah. and I never once ever like thought about mixing the two. Right. Until it was this last December. We were doing a sketch show. We were opening for our team that's to open. And then, like, a couple of days before, they're like, can you make it holiday-themed? And we're like, oh, <laughs> like, And I was like, hey, can I pitch, like, a Hanukkah song? Because no one does 
Hanukkah songs. Yeah. But it was like more of a sketch where it was it wasn't about it was more about a girl. Cool. But posed as a Hanukkah song, and I'm like, I'm a moron. Why didn't I think of melding these things yeah, earlier? That's awesome, man. Because so, it it worked. Well, that's really cool. Don't worry, I'm knee deep on this Hanukkah EP. <laughs> Come out this December. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, you got to start now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear more about Trump Lear and just kind of the background behind that. Me show too. Yeah. And- Absolutely. Because you're a big Trump guy, Nick. Oh. Yeah, I'm a huge, yeah, yeah, huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. huge, huge Trump I, no, supporter. No, it's a true story. I, when I, when I, used to, I used to have this uh, improv podcast called Jews and Reviews, and we had a guest on, and we played characters. Like, we oh, weren't fun. playing ourselves. That's like, the, the guest was always a character. Our friend Kent was always characters. And we were, like, supposed to be – our names were the same, but we were different characters. And in that world – uh, we would treat like oh like Trump is like listening to us yeah. so we have to like like love him because because oh, he's on our podcast but that, the guest had never like really listened before and didn't pick up our sarcasm <laughs> and at one point we're like well this is I'm like oh, I mean hell Trump and and the guest was like what and, and we're like it's a <laughs> game dude like, not, not, like oh wow uh, uh, which crazy. was very funny to yeah. me I gotta remember who the guest was but they were so taken aback by it and I had to be like no like no that's amazing. Um, uh yeah how'd i get into it well honestly road to the white house which you saw Uh so i just knew that i wanted to do like a topical show because i'd been doing gary Busey's one man hamlet which to me is like very niche Mm -hmm. it's like let me do something that'll force me to write topical jokes oh i'll just do all the debates before they happen and i'm an impressionist so i want to expand what i do so i'll just do all of the (laughs) candidates uh days before they happen and so unfortunately trump threw his hat in and very quickly became you know the one who like mm-hmm. was dominating all the funniest or just the most the most obvious stuff to address every debate and so i i you know at first i wasn't that good at doing him he's kind of a weird voice it was hard to do it sounded too much like brando at first and then mm-hmm. like de niro and it took me a while to zero in on it and then and it's it was like oh this is like depressing he's like not fun to do i god i hope he loses not mm-hmm. just so the world doesn't turn to crap but like <laughs> i don't want to play him yeah and then uh he won. So I had been doing the Gary Busey One Man Hamlet show, and I was like, my director and I had been talking about, well, maybe there's a thing we could do with this that's that we that won't drive us insane. And it's like, well, what do you know? What if it's like King Lear, right? Like, what if Trump's doing King Lear and it's the end of the world, and he's in his bunker, and he's just doing it to himself, like mm-hmm. like he's the last guy alive. And she was like, yeah, cool, but I don't want, like I physically don't want to watch Trump by himself for an hour. And I don't think a lot of people do. I think that's like really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like no one would want to see that, even if we did it really well. <laughs> like the best yeah. version of that doesn't benefit many people. So I had had one idea about like, well, what if a guy like me got arrested for doing this show about him? Like if the First Amendment is taken away, in, like when he's president and then you, I wake up and like I have to do this show for him, like do it for my life kind of thing. She's like, yes, that, write that, and we'll do that. So I was like, all right, cool. So basically I waited until inauguration to make sure like he actually got inaugurated because like, there's a hopeful <laughs> part who's like, maybe it won't happen. Yeah. I don't want to write this thing. Yeah. And, like, and it did happen, unfortunately. So I was like, all right. And I was just depressed. And I was really depressed all the time about it, and I couldn't write depressed. It was the first time I ever realized that about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I need Red Bull. So I would get Red Bull. That would make me angry. And then I would write angry. Ooh. And then I would, like, would calmly, when the Red Bull was out of my system, do rewrites. 
because I didn't want just these terrible Red, yeah. Red Bull drafts. Um, I, I love that <laughs> style, though. Well, it, it was, yeah. it, was just, it, it forces it, you into it. it fi- it's finally yeah. what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And, and for for Trump, like a thing about mm-hmm. Trump was like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm going to, you know, it makes sense like the, the most unhealthy thing. I, I, I picture Trump writing his speeches. With, well, he doesn't probably write. Them, yeah, but he but might practice. Actually, he them. might. I, I bet he drinks Diet Coke yeah. while he practices, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. But. I mean, he seems like he's an off-the-cuff kind of guy, mostly. Mm-hmm. I think he really hates when he has to stick to script. But anyway, I, I, I wrote it in about two months, and we did it. And on April 1st of 2017 was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then we just started doing a run. Mm-hmm. It, we started at the Pit Loft, and then it moved to Under St. Mark's. We were there for a year. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Edinburgh last year. Uh, and occasionally I do little rewrites just to like have a topical joke, joke here or there. But mostly it's set in the future enough that, like, things are still so bad in that fictional future that it's much worse than now mm-hmm. um, where you could actually get arrested for doing something that is against him and mm-hmm. it's like almost like um, the like Running Man a little bit the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where oh like, yeah it's like a televised you know thing because uh, like they arrest people yeah. and then make them perform um, similar to that uh, yeah so that's that's kind of how it happened because I, I just we knew we wanted to do something, and we didn't want it to be so nauseating that no one would w- want to watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that was interesting. I never really had to think about that way or write mm-hmm. that way. And, um, you know, and then honestly, with with all of the hashtag Me, me Too things that happened, which were awful um, and had ripple effects and continue to have ripple effects, through comedy in terms of, you know, what what people want to watch. You know, I think there was a there's mm-hmm. been a really kind of seismic shift in terms of entertainment. And I personally I don't mind at all like adjusting to how audiences sensitivities have changed. I think it makes you a better writer to to respond to it. Um so I don't know. I, I've had um I don't want to say fun, but I've I've just taken that as a challenge. And um you know, I, I feel like I've learned a lot as a writer ab- about about that. But it, it definitely was like, okay, we're we've got a show about this toxic guy. How much mm-hmm. is too much? You know, you don't want to have a million grab him by the pussy jokes because it's and and that's good. You probably shouldn't. You know, <laughs> for every reason. You know, it's boring <laughs> to do that over and over again mm-hmm. on one level. And then if if you're just using that subject matter as an excuse to talk about just to be gross. You know, then like, are you? Yeah. What are you doing? You know, yeah, Trump. Is, it's got to be like the toughest because you have a, a kind of a unique spin on it. Because right. well, cause there's it's so like, much Trump out yeah, there. Yeah, well, and, yeah, there is. There's a lot out there, and it's like he's awful. So there, you, it's very easy to think like, all right, I'll just, I'll just all the worst things. I'll just do all the worst things. And I'll say all the worst things, mm-hmm. and I'll be impulsive, and that'll be truthful. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, but like, I still feel a little bit of a responsibility to like vary it up. And focus. So in that show, I really focus on the bullying aspect and him bullying me, the artist. Uh, and in that way, it's like, well, I'm okay with all these things that he's saying about fictional me. So mm-hmm. I feel like some ownership there. Like he makes fun of my weight and stuff. And, you know, like I've signed off that I'm all right with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's been interesting. It's been a good, because I think before I had, I had written about things that, where I didn't have to deal with that and also in an era where I think things were a little bit more fast and loose. So this was, it, it, it continues to be a learning experience um, 
that I, I'm on the I'm on the side of let's not complain about it. Like just mm-hmm. adjust. The world has changed. If the room you're in changes, like, and you can't adjust to the room, like, that's on you. That's not just like everybody's too sensitive. That's like you're not paying attention to the room. Yeah, you're just ignoring the room, and you can't ignore the room. I've never said the room that much <laughs> in a sentence, but that's part you, of it. You like, used it well. No, and I'm, it's a, fascinating. I'm a performer who likes to acknowledge the audience. Like uh, almost every show I have, mm. there's some talking to the audience that happens. So it'd be pretty false for me to like not care about them at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that would be disingenuous on my part. So, you know, I do my best with that. Not, I, I could, I could hear you talking about writing the show for uh, hours. It's yeah, fa- it's fascinating. Um, yeah, well, come to Scotland. Hey, yeah, that's a good I, idea. I've never yeah. been. I hear it's, it's beautiful. It is Edinburgh Fringe is insane. There are mm-hmm. over three thousand shows, yeah. which is a number that doesn't even like three thousand compute. I've been there twice. Like, oh, I th- but it'd be like of the East Village was jam packed with like every if this, every bar and restaurant was now a theater venue. And if, like, NYU had four giant ones that all had, uh-huh. like, uh, 200 shows in them each or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was all sort of around that, like, that's what it would be like. And then if and then if there were no other place in New York, <laughs> yeah. uh, be, because it, it just all would be focused right there. Yeah. It would um, be kind of funny because, like, I know, I know at least one other show going, and it'd be funny to, like, uh, yeah. fly to see, you know. You probably know more people going than you yeah. think. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a bunch of people, New York people going mm-hmm. this year. I really yeah. want to go some year. They have there's everything there's circus and m- many many circus shows really good children's shows bizarrely <laughs> like you know that like are fun for adults too uh, so children's shows are I always, I always think they're the hardest things to write because you have to write yeah. it two ways yeah you know? everything do. has to be working on two levels totally. the entire time totally yeah. you got to keep the parents and the kids mm-hmm. engaged for sure yeah. yeah I have I've been very inspired by children's shows sometimes mm-hmm. it, certainly at the fringe yeah it, it's a blast I recommend going if you can ever this has been really fun. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've barely eaten I know. Fruit Loops. I know. I feel like we should get to that's the milk. A, that's, though, a good, right? yeah. that's a good sign. The milk is like that's the good. best part. Should we just like do a Slurpee one? Yep. I'm in. Let's do yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't keep going because I, I found the sound to be funny. I've got a really loud goal, <laughs> which is really hype. Like you guys are slurp, slurp, slurp professionals. My brother, if he's listening, also has a very loud goal. This has great milk flavor. Yeah, what did we call it? Milk flavor. Is that what it's? Oh yeah. Oh, the milk to the the crunchy to soggy hang time. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's what it was. We gotta, we gotta really. It was a very long name to describe something very short. (laughs) Yeah, which is the best way to do anything. Okay, time to rate Fruit Loops. All right. Paul, what are you feeling? I'm going to give it four out of five loops. Four out of five loops? You know, it's it's I, very tasty. It, it works crunchy and soggy. I think I like crunchy better, though. Uh, yeah. I like crunch and mid-crunch better than soggy, I will say. But the milk's so good. So yeah. Whatever. You know, I think I'm also going to do four out of five loops. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> you use the loops. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I like the loops. But, you know, I feel like it's it's a great flavor. It's a lot of flavor, maybe a little too much flavor, but it is. How much flavor is too much flavor? Fruit Loops. <laughs> but Great answer. It's a satisfying texture, and the milk is truly amazing afterward. I give it a five out of five. I, I feel like it delivers exactly yeah. what it promises. I mean, I would hope so. You picked okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> sure no, it's true. Yeah. I guess it's not surprising at yeah. all. But it has been a while. I've not had Fruit Loops in uh-huh. a while. 
And the Toucan Sam, we haven't talked about it at all, but is a wonderful, great fun. mascot. It's just cheerful. We got he's, do... he's a mascot that's aged well, as we talked about. Yeah. Like some mascots yeah. have not aged yeah. well. We got to do a whole episode where we just talk about mascots, ranking mm. them. Maybe our live show. Oh, we're gonna, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. do let's do a live we'll show. We'll figure it out. We'll hand out uh, those little uh, cereal boxes that you could like break open and oh. eat straight oh. from the thing. I will tell break you. That down. I will leave you with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a camp, a church camp, when I was like nine and I really didn't like the food at the place I was also a very picky eater and the first day someone challenged me to eat like as many cereal bowls as I could of that kind mm-hmm. in our 30 minute a lot of breakfast time and I did like four the first day it was a five day camp by the last day mm-hmm. I got to 11 bowls Whoa. Of did your did minutes. your parents know about this yeah I told them okay <laughs> uh, I bragged to them but I also I mean like, I mean, like it's, a camp is kind of a sleepover it is, yeah. and I basic, but I was such a picky eater that like that was what I ate for the day. Uh, I think I ate a banana or something at lunch and a banana at dinner. Mm-hmm. But I, it was it was really gross food that everyone hated, and I was like, well, I'm not going to eat it. I don't know why you guys are eating it. I'm just going to load up at breakfast. <laughs> but t- uh, t- eleven felt dangerous as a kid. I was like, yeah, this is. And and it wasn't even a thing where anyone was cheering me on. They're like, "This is gross. Why are you doing it? Stop!" In your, like in kids your, who didn't even in want your it, head you know? though was everyone going nuts? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little, but yeah. I like I could see that they were uh, like, yeah, both were frosted flakes. Yeah. I would have such a sugar high if I did that. And I definitely cut my throat a couple times because if you eat that too oh, fast, oh yeah, really, yeah, frosted. Yeah. Those are dangerous. Dry. Those like they need are. to be soggy. They yeah. really are. Yeah. They're they're like knives. Yeah, that was out of control. That's fun. I felt like I had to share that. That's probably the most interesting serial story I have. I loved honestly. it. Yeah. So. Um, well, David, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This has been amazing. So yeah. as always, I'm Nick. And I'm Paul. And Wait, we you said as, I said as oh. al- I say as always. Can <laughs> oh, I do yeah. it? All right. As always, I'm Paul. And I'm Nick. And, well, I, and we're out. <laughs> Let's try it one more time. Okay. As always, I'm Nick. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>